Welcome to The Source, investments podcast covering trends and insights in institutional investing, where we get to hear directly from both industry and investment experts on the latest trends. My name is Rich Dinellen, part of the investment strategy team and host of this podcast. In this episode, we're joined by Ian Toner and Marianne Freely from Varus Investments. Ian serves as Chief Investment Officer and Marianne is Managing Director of Public Markets. The topic of our conversation is diversity and inclusion within asset management firms and how they evaluate a manager's diversity beyond the high-level ownership information. We recently teamed up with Varus to expand our data collection efforts related to diversity disclosures so they have access to the information they need to evaluate a manager. And they're not alone in wanting this information. The broader consultant and asset owner community is also looking for this information. So working with Varus to define and capture this data provides transparency to the entire industry. If you have any questions about how to populate this data or how to access the data on a specific manager, reach out to us at solutions at investment.com. Let's jump in and hear from Ian and Marianne. So Ian and Marianne, thank you both for joining. I want to focus our conversation today on diversity within asset management firms and how you evaluate a manager's diversity beyond just things like firm ownership metrics. But before we jump into that, can you take some time to give us background about yourself? Maybe start with you, Ian. Sure. So um, thank you for having us. Uh, so my name is Ian Toner. I'm Chief Investment Officer at Veris. I've been at Veris for seven years. For that seven years at Russell, uh, UBS Investment Bank, Solomon Smith Barney, and lots of other places, both sides of the Atlantic. So I've done all kinds of things in the, in the investment industry and originally have a law degree and ran away to the investment industry because it was much more interesting. Hmm. Um, I've been I've been involved at Varus in, in this conversation for the last few years um, because it, it's a very important one for us. Um, outside work, I'm also involved in... Uh, pre-pre-K through 12 uh, private school. I sit on the board there, uh, local chamber, chamber of commerce, and also a, um, I sit on the finance and audit committee of a, of a local foundation. So uh, th- these topics are important in all of those organizations, so both within and without the workplace. It's stuff that really matters. Great. And Marianne? Sure. Um, I'm Marianne Feely. I am head of public markets at Veris, and I have been with Veris for five years. Previous to that, I held a number of different research roles at Mercer in different geographies in the U.S., in London, and in Australia. And um, I am very interested to talk about this issue today. I believe that diversity is something that brings a lot of different viewpoints to bear to an investment process, and, and I'm glad that it's getting the attention that it is. Yeah, it, it's been the topic of 75% of these podcasts this year. So. You both recently released a paper titled Broadening Diversity Consideration that talked about all of this, and we probably recognize that it just makes sense for there to be diverse perspectives. But can you talk about the benefits of diversity within an organization? Maybe maybe if I'll I'll kick off on that. Um, So let's start from first principles. The key driver to successful organizations is getting the most out of the people you have and getting the best people around the table. And underlying that is treating everyone fairly, giving everyone equal opportunity, giving everyone the opportunity to participate. And meaning that in a real way, it's a welcoming question. It's a a positive path. And that's both who's at the table, how they get to the table, what role they play at the table, how they're part of conversations and discussions. So it's a very foundational thing about, particularly in the investment industry, about how decisions are made. 
um, and how thinking gets done. And so when you when you take that step back and say the diversity conversation is about all of those things, it it, it becomes really important because because it's about it's about how you make decisions. It's about how you treat people. And it's it's part of the DNA of an organization that does it well. And sadly, it can be part of the DNA of an organization that doesn't do it well. So that's why it that's why it matters both um, because it's 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 important just in general terms, but also because it's core to the mission of an organization whose primary function is making decisions. And investment organizations are all about making decisions. And Marianne, feel free to jump in if you have anything to add. Um, I, I guess just just taking it down to the level of when we're looking at um, investment products. I mean, um, diversity has positive influences on. Um, it, it's all about the way um, an investment manager manager is organized, and particularly the alignment features of that firm in terms of the management of that firm supporting the investment team, the investment team being being aligned with the client. And so, when we see features that incentivize diverse ownership of a firm, those are positive, as well as just the way that the team interacts and the way the, way the um, facilities for retaining uh, it's, um, good individuals, people with, with different ideas that can bring different perspectives to an investment process. Uh, we, we like the concept of looking at things through multiple lenses, um, believing that that will help with the, the repeatability and, and reliability of an investment process. So to the point about looking at things through multiple lenses, you know, what, when we see the activity of consultants and investors using investment for a while now, it's been things like minority ownership and, and female ownership. Um, but you say it's much important to go, it's, it's important to go beyond that. Can you talk about the other ways specifically that you evaluate a manager's diversity? Uh, sure. I mean, we we look at the in in the organizational features. One of the things that we think about is how they are setting up the investment process and the team, not just for current but for the future. And so, one of the things that we focus on is recruiting and in terms of how an investment management firm, um, you know, maintains that those diverse characteristics and is attracting um, people with different points of view, different backgrounds, um, as, as a conscious effort to to bring that uh, cognitive diversity to an investment process. And that's, that's, really, that's really important. There's a, there's, a, there's a whole series of questions about, are you creating hurdles accidentally that, that exclude people from different backgrounds with different experience, with different, different educational backgrounds? So there's, there's an example that's not directly in the diversity point, but talks about these kind of barriers rather than paths idea. So when you're when you're recruiting for entry level jobs in 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 our industry, do you in the job advert include um, must have a finance degree or do you say must have a degree? And if you say must have a degree, do you have to have a degree for the particular role that you're there? Or are other means of education potentially available so that you're 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 opening the door to people with the capability to do the job rather than else rather than otherwise? Is the organisation thinking broadly, not narrowly? Is a great way of kicking off that conversation. We sometimes use the phrase, ask, then listen, actions, not words, to describe this. So ask a question about how are you thinking broadly about, then listen to the approach that they're taking, see how they're driving that conversation, and then look at the things they're doing, rather than just assuming that the nice words they say are necessarily dispositive for the for the things they're actually trying to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in these conversations, and maybe when you're looking for specific data points, how readily available is this? Does this information seem to be when you're asking for it? I, I'd imagine 
some firms are maybe more kind of mature in the process of aggregating and providing this data and others very early on. Um, but just what's the challenge been about kind of getting that data from the manager? Well, so there's, there's, an, there's a really interesting thing here because because some of the data is is easily available. It's one of the reasons why the, the ownership dimension is one that's, that people have used historically because mm -hmm. that's often information that is publicly available. Um, some of the broader, richer information that you might want to have access to, to understand what's happening within teams, for example, what's happening at different levels of the organization, who's the who, who are the portfolio managers that are running the money, those kinds of things. Um, that actually begins to get into the area of personally identifiable information. And that's a whole different, <laughs> different yeah. body of regulation, if that makes sense, um, particularly cross-border, because many of these organizations are going to be cross-border. And so there's this balance between the information you'd like to have and the information you're actually legally allowed to have or they're legally allowed to provide to you. Hmm. And so one of the interesting parts of this conversation is is getting into a proper dialogue about what's actually available. Because at the same time as you're saying, uh, dear money manager, I want you to be to, to be really focused on diversity. You're also probably saying, dear money manager, we want you to abide by the by the rules, <laughs> by, by the laws of personally identifiable information in yep. the countries in which you operate. <laughs> and 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 so you have to balance that, which is why we say this conversation approach is the is is the is the best way of doing it, getting the information that's available and then asking what other information isn't necessarily available in precisely that form, but how are you doing this? What, what work are you doing? And so on and so forth. So it's a balance and it's a, it's a developing conversation as well as there's demand for more information. Yeah. And, and one thing I would point out just in terms of the data, I, I guess I'd want to reassure managers that we're not making decisions just based on the data alone in terms of, of data points that they're giving us. But when Ian talks about ask and listen, that's exactly what we're using the data for, is to, to help us to kind of frame a line of questioning or, or to, to, you know, things that we want to focus on and, and to learn more on as we delve into an investment management process. So are you still able to conduct this process virtually in the world that we live in today? Like what have the challenges been around, you know, because of COVID and not being able to be face to face with these managers and in the offices? Uh, yes, we have been. Um, and naturally, there are challenges. We, you know, everyone has, you know, sometimes there will be, be glitches in, in, in the technology and that kind of thing. But um, we have found some very positive aspects to, to the virtual uh, way of working just in terms of accessibility of different people. I have been involved in, in meetings where they can bring the trader in, you know, to talk about operational issues. And uh, so it's, 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 a, it's a little give and take in, in that respect. And last week, as I was sitting here watching CNBC on the screen in front of me, our CEO, uh, Adina Freeman, was up on TV talking about NASDAQ's plans to require listed companies to have at least one woman and one person from an underrepresented minority on the board, or if not, to divulge why not. So do you think we're at the point where the lack of diversity within an asset management firm is going to result in losing mandates? Or are we just in the early stages of kind of inventorying what it looks like today? I think, I think part that that's one of the areas where, um, that's one of the areas where we think, again, th this approach we're talking about is ask, then listen, actions, not words. What we're looking for is organizations that have a culture of, um, openness, that have a culture of treating people fairly, that have a culture of giving people opportunity, 
that have a culture of thinking broadly, not narrowly. And if you have that, then you're creating an environment that will be better for the people that work for you, that'll be better for the organization because you will expand the pool of potential candidates, which means you're likely to be able to be hiring better candidates. You'll also probably improve your, you'll also probably improve your investment process because you'll be thinking more clearly. You'll be having more different voices at the table, more effectively able to express different points of view. So we think that that's the right approach to this conversation, at least from our seat, looking at managers and trying to build portfolios. This is going to be an ongoing conversation that will take take time um, and where a lot of the information, as we said earlier, that you'll want uh, isn't necessarily easily available. But what matters is the direction people are going and whether they're taking it seriously mm-hmm. or not. So when clients are coming to you today, it- are they saying, hey, we want to make sure that we're investing with managers who are making sure that their teams are diverse and inclusive and focused on ESG? Or is it an education process from you to say, hey, you might want to evaluate this approach? So the starting point for conversations with clients is always where the client's coming from. What, so we, we serve a, you know, a hugely diverse range of organizations of all different sizes, all the way across the country with all different points of view on lots of different things. And so our goal is to help them understand the issues, is to help them approach it from the standpoint of their organization, to help them focus on the things that matter to them. And we're seeing, we're certainly seeing a huge uprise, a, a, a uptick of, of interest in many of these topics, particularly diversity, diversity and inclusion being, being something lots of people have asked about. And also ESG is an area where there's lots of people that are that are interested and our role is to help educate, to help partner with them, to help them understand what this means for them and then to, to work on implementable solutions that get them to where they want to be. That makes sense. Well, I, uh, I want to be cognizant of your time here and uh, I also uh, would like to link to that paper um, if that's okay with you so we can make that available to our listeners. Wonderful. Absolutely. But uh, thank you both for joining. Uh, I really appreciate your perspectives. It's always nice when we get beyond just the data that we're we're seeing and actually get the what you are seeing in practice versus what we're just seeing in the numbers. Um, but absolutely, thank you. And again, this that, thank you. And again, this is a hugely important conversation that's going to be part of the investment landscape for many many years to come. And we're really excited to be able to help owners of capital move down this path and 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 managers understand what that path looks like. So thank you very much for your time. Again, we will link to Ian and Marion's paper titled Broadening Diversity Considerations so you can read the full piece yourself. Working with Veris is a great example of how we at Investment continue to work hand-in-hand with consultants to provide strategic input on their evolving data needs. Late last year, we were excited to formally launch an advisory board of consultants, and Marianne is one of the members of that board. The input of people like Marianne and firms like Veris will continue to drive what we're doing going forward to support our vision of relentlessly creating transparency to power institutional investing. And again, email solutions at investment.com if you have any questions about what you heard today or just general feedback. I want to thank you for listening and we look forward to hearing from you soon.